I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Dobry večer and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Stowe. Dobry večer from Prague. I'm Pete Coleman. And I'm Travis Dow from the History of Alchemy podcast. On this episode of the Bohemian Podcast, we will examine the Czech occult and legends that may send a chill up your spine, just in time for Halloween. Halloween celebrations are a relatively new export from America to the Czech Republic. However, every year the popularity grows more and more as Czechs, especially from Prague, join with the expats from around the world on this very ancient October 31st tradition. I mean, come on. What's not to like here, Travis? I mean, we've got uh, trick-or-treating, we got kids hanging out late at night, we've got ghost stories, things that uh, I think Czechs would naturally like to gravitate towards. Sure. All right? Some of those things that, that are popping up ever since the late 1990s, going into the early 2000s, have been Halloween-based parties that are pretty big, or bars that basically turn their, their bars into a Halloween theme. You also have a, a district in, in Prague, in Prague 6, which were a lot of American ex- expats like to hang their hats. They do trick-or-treats for uh, little kids. They give out candy. And every once in a while, in a few different places, you'll find pumpkin carving contests, or you can go hunt for your pumpkin in a, in a, in a, in a farmer's field. These things are, are making some inroads in the Czech Republic that seem very familiar to many Americans back home. And don't forget, uh, Halloween's probably a good time for ghost tours, you know, which there's plenty of in this town. All year round, though, right? I mean, but, yeah, they're, but they're it probably picks time, up this time of year. I imagine it does, yeah. So besides ghost tours, there's also a witch tour here in Prague. You know, witches have had uh, kind of an infamous sort of history here in, in many respects, especially the persecution of witches, uh, kind of a dark stain in, in medieval, um, medieval times. Yeah. Uh, and Czech, or at the time, Bohemia was uh, not a stranger to these inquisitions or, or burning of witches. One of the more intense times in history dealing with wrongful accusations and trials 
dealt with the witch trials of northern Moravia in the late 17th, mid to late 17th century, which is pretty much, Travis, the high point of the Malus Maleficorum that was written about the witch's hammer. You mean like looking for the devil's mark and, and seeing if they float? That kind yeah, of thing? the things yeah. like, you know, the, the seeing <laughs> if they float. I think that, and this is at the same time, very close to the time of the Salem witch trials in North America. Yeah, there was, there was a lot around Scotland and Germany. Yeah, yeah. And if this this story that we're about to tell you sounds a little familiar to this those Salem witch trials, uh, you you wouldn't be far off the mark because it is very very familiar. When it was all said and done in North Moravia, more than a hundred people were sent to their deaths, either uh, decapitated or burned burned alive. To get to that point, we got to know a little bit about the background. For instance, that uh, the witch trials were a series of of, of trials that occurred in the Yesnik uh, and Schumperk area. Uh, in present-day Czech Republic, which is just a little north, probably about, uh, I'd say probably 40 to 50 kilometers north of one of the bigger towns called Olomouc. This was probably the more well-known trials between uh, the year 1622 and 1696. Uh, accusations were flying back and forth, and trials uh, uh, culminated towards the 1690s. And it, a, lot of, a lot of people were left very much ruined by this or um, followed with death and, and burning uh, or decapitation. So one of the, the people at the center of this, Travis, was the principal figure, lawmaker by the name of Boblig. And, mm -hmm. and Boblig was uh, in charge of, of, of expanding these trials to, to find people. And some say that he was trying to also get rich or ex expand upon the accused uh, lands that uh, he would have sentenced to death, but yet the state would take over those lands. Yeah, it's kind of weird that he, he zoomed in on Schumperk, like you said, because there's kind of many wealthy families in the area. And, and you know, northern Moravian area uh, uh, where the witch trials really took place uh, was, as much part of the of rest of Bohemia, was really under the Catholic Counter-Reformation. That was an example of the Thirty Years' War. So it was a little bit of a tug-of-war. We see that in Prague. We see it in, in, in different parts of Czech Republic that uh, where the Protestants had a foothold, the Catholics wanted. Where the Catholics were held up, the Protestants wanted to surround them. So it was kind of a brother versus brother civil war on a religious basis between the Catholics and the Protestants. And uh, that really was no different in, in the northern part of Moravia. Farmers were against landlords. Uh, families that had grudges against other families uh, were brought into this. If you can imagine, someone would, would have a, a, a grudge against you and say, oh, by the way, I think I, I saw this, this woman talking to a cow. Or, uh, I, you know, or I, I, I see you know, she, she kind of gave the sign uh, of a, some kind of odd sign that wasn't a religious sign when she passed somebody in the street. She must have put a curse on them. Yeah. And that's all it took. As far as Bohemia and Moravia are concerned, this was kind of an odd occurrence. Uh, the witch trials were otherwise, you know, pretty much uncommon. The, the first witch trials occurred in Yesnik in 1622 when four women were executed. In 1636, the first great hunt erupted and lasted until 1648. Many years of persecution and retribution ensued from that. By 1651, 86 people were executed for witchcraft, if you can believe that. 250 people were estimated to have been executed for this charge alone in the very first period between 1622 and 1651. But by 1667, another 16 were burned. Uh, this mainly occurred in, in, pre in the present-day area of Silesia. In Easter in 1678, Marie Sharova from Vernitsa attended church. And during this Mass, she was obser observed taking the bread of communion from her mouth, out of her mouth, and put it into her prayer book. All right, of course, this was, was not good, and this was the height of the witch trials at the same time. So 
someone ratted her out, saying that cannot be Christian. Why would she Catholic. do that anyways? I don't know. Maybe she was saving it for later, but here's the reason why, <laughs> why, why you, need, you need to do this at the time. You don't save it for later uh, when you take the sacrament. But what was, was given to the Inquisition judge at the time, which was, was again, uh, Yendrik Boblig, we mentioned him a few minutes ago, was that it was thought she was going to take it and, and use it for a ceremonial witch brew later on. I, I, I don't quite understand it, but so she, she wanted it later to use it for a spell so that a cow would give more milk? Uh, very possibly. Is that, is that uh, very right? possibly. I, that's, this, is, this is kind of what we're going on as far as legend's concerned. But it was enough truth that this put her well, in some dire, yeah, so dire straits. That was enough that Boblik was convinced that torture was necessary, right? Yeah, and, and here's the thing. So that's like, oh, oh that's, yep. The, the Catholic Church, flag. you know, they said, be on the lookout for these strains, black magic and, and witchcraft. Yeah. But they never really wanted to put the, 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 the push towards torture. Boblig made sure that this was going to be a necessary issue to get, to get witches out of the area, was mm -hmm. to torture and then later to kill. Mm -hmm. Right, it was going to yeah. be a, cri a crime. Maybe like to set an example. Maybe to set an example, and say, the crime is uh, is going to meet the punishment, which meant death. Yeah, All yeah. Right. So Boblik did actually torture, uh, did use torture after this, and the the kind of general procedure was, after you had someone that was accused, they would be stripped, and that was mostly to look for the devil's mark. Right, so. Again, the devil's mark could be any kind of, birthmark. it could be a mole, it yeah. could be a birthmark, anything weird, which basically everybody has, you know, some kind of mole or birthmark or something that could be taken for that, you know, any kind of blotchy thing, um, you know, just that's it. If they find any spot on your body. The, the book uh, Malus Maleficorum uh, was, was written to give these kind of outlines of what you could look for and what and what the punishment should be and yeah. basically it covered it but made everybody guilty exactly it's broad enough that once you were accused they would find something well in another case was the trial of Lautner and uh, basically the next year in, fe in February of 1680 five women were decapitated and burned normally those convicted by Boblik were kind of sentenced to execution by burning that was kind of the standard procedure in Velke Losini, Mary Satlerova was pointed out by some of those women. And when four of the women were burned in September of that year, in 1680, uh, the crowd watching the execution cried for Jesus to forgive them. So, you know, the, the crowd crying for the, for the condemned women, basically. This made an impression on a priest named Tomasz Kernik. And together with other priests, he protested against Boblik. So, you know, they kind of saw the public outcry against these actions. And... Uh, you know, they basically, the, these priests basically said that if the commission were allowed to continue, no one would be certain of their lives. I mean, everybody's suspect. And Boblik's reaction to this was gam gathering incriminating material against the critics. Against right? the priests, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So this is, yeah. Um, you know, so, so now Boblik is creating his files uh, to suggest that those priests were witches, possibly. And Koenig died in, in uh, six, 1682, and he basically just avoided an arrest himself. Exactly. So it, things were already, Boblik was already going to, was putting things together. If you can yeah. imagine. So he already had a case against him. Yeah, it, was, it was coming. So right. Luckily, he died before. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. Those accused were made to confess to have committed incest and sex with demons at the witch's Sabbath. Um, so yeah, kind of nasty stuff. 
these string of accusations, kind of uh, these you know per persecutions and everything, continued for another 18 years until the death of Bublik in 1696. So I mean, basically, he did that right the rest of his life. He did, and he he didn't really get his comeuppance. Um, it it uh, you know there was no no apology made later by the state. I mean, it, if you're familiar with what happened in the Salem witch trials, apologies were given. I, I think a generation later were where uh, some of the girls uh, had said that they made up, that they, the devil had told them to do certain things and accuse certain people, and um, their apologies were made later. And this really didn't have a closure to it. This story didn't have a closure. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of people who lost their lives, but this, this is indicative well, of the well, it's time. Like a, it's like an like 18-year period, and there's estimated that, that around 100 people right. were, were kind of executed as a cause of this witchcraft. And, and this is just a drop in the bucket. I mean, throughout Europe, we're talking tens of thousands of people were, uh, through, throughout throughout yeah. a yeah, century and a half, were, were burned or uh, created as heretics, tortured uh, for witchcraft. A large majority of were, were women, you know, especially outspoken women. Uh, so there, there was a, uh, an unbelievable dark stain in this time. Again, some of that made its way over to the New World, and luckily for <laughs> for many people, it went out with the superstitions of the day. But it's not just witches that were persecuted. There's, there's also the. I think we spoke about this on the very first podcast that there's the famous underground torture chambers and all that, and um, that's one of the one of the ghost tours you can take is to the underground torture chambers, and they're really interesting because they still have the graffiti like etched into the doorway and the walls and everything. And uh, I know there's a couple of dates from the early 17th century and really something to see. There's even like they, they have the executioner's symbol etched in. One of the, the, the most famous executioner from that time was, was Jan Midlarsh and he's famous because he executed the 27 noblemen. Yeah, yeah, actually why this might sound familiar to many of our listeners because this was our very first Bohemian podcast last year. And the execution of the 27 noblemen is kind of one of the, the leading things that led to the Thirty Years' War, because up until that point, it was unheard of to execute that many noblemen, and especially because the king, emperor, uh, and, and all the kind of, let's say, the winning nobility were all Catholics, and the ones that executed were Protestant. And so this, this was a consequence, Travis, of the, of the failure, the, the lost by the, the Protestants the at the Battle of Bilahora. Yeah. Right? So the 27 so, yeah. were the leaders of that. And these 27 men weren't just captured the, the day after the battle and led to the execution. They were led to the torture chambers, these very same Those torture rooms, chambers, yeah. underneath Prague, Old Town Prague Square, uh, in the main square where the clock tower is. That's pretty much where they kept them. And for yeah. about a year, was that right? About a some, year. Some nine months, yeah. They tortured them. Yeah. And and the final reprieve that they had was the sweet the sweet execution the quick, hopefully quick death, which didn't it's, happen for a lot that's of not them. Even, yeah, that's not even the worst. The, the worst I heard of in those torture chambers was Jan Zalewska, who was part of the, or responsible for the first defenestration in, in 1419, and he was kept down there for three years in the, in the same rooms and kept alive on purpose to be tortured longer. So, it's, I mean, it's, it's a pretty bad thing. Um, in the 90s, they, they excavated one of the holes down there, and they found some, like, many, many hundreds of, of uh, human bones down in one of the holes. So, yeah, pretty, uh, and, and the bones are actually still there. They're just sitting around in boxes. So, kind of a gruesome place. Kind of, I mean, I was, a, I was a tour guide down there, and it still kind of gave me the creeps now and then. There's, there's well, th a lot this reminds of me of the story that we were talking about at one point. I put this on the blog on bohemican.com uh, about 
when you and I did this tour, uh, and you kind of you know gave me some ideas about what was going on with the with the underground sort of feeling, there was a time that uh, when the powers that be would kind of do a sweep to get rid of the unsavory sort of element, the prostitutes, the 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 swindlers, the yeah. the cheats, and, and all the all, black market folks. Yeah, yeah. all the fo- all the folks. And when they came and did a sweep of Old Town. People just kind of scattered because if you were caught, you were tortured and most likely put to death. Yeah. Right? And so people would, would run into the House of the Two Golden Bears, which is one of the places that, one that of the places they, if they had, could. Yeah, one of the places that had an entrance. Down entrance to, to the yeah. underground. And if yeah. you did that, and the problem with why that was such a chance to take was because it was so dark. It had booby traps in there, you know, sharpened spikes, pits, and, and holes that you could fall down into. And most likely, you would get lost and die. And so, yeah, you know, for, at, from being from being dis, disoriented at that time, and even to some extent up until World War II, because um, all all of Old Town has an underground. So, especially in that time, it was one big connecting labyrinth. So, because back in the 14th century, the whole all of Old Town was lower, up to like two and a half stories lower, and so that was the street level. And then, because of flooding, they raised the whole city at that point uh, up you know, up to two and a half stories. So there was, there's a city underneath the city, like all the streets, you could just, you know, like even these, these torture chambers, you can tell that you're walking out of a front door, crossing a street and, and walking into a front door across While the street. While you're under the ground. And it's all underground. Yeah. yeah. Uh, an- another kind of gruesome detail is this, uh, uh, Jan Midlar said executioner, he, um, but the 27 noblemen that he, he executed 12 of their heads as a warning and they were nailed to the bridge tower and left there for 10 years. Which is not uncommon and, during this time of history. It's yeah, happened in many medieval cities in, in, as, as a way of saying, hey, you know what, we're going to see this, this, this head or arm or whatever piece rot yeah. and, and it's going to be something that you're going to see every day going to work or going to oh, church yeah. or going it's to right, mass. right there on Charles Bridge. I mean, right there. Yeah, pass it every what day. A, what a great warning for, for anybody that wanted to do an uprising against the king or the, the emperor. One of the other individuals that I think we want to talk about tonight that kind of gives you the creeps is someone, uh, a female, that uh, takes to the top of our individual creepy list. And who would that be, Travis? Oh, Elizabeth Bathory. You, you might know her. She, she's, people would, would attach vampire legends to her because of her fascination with blood. Yeah, and um, we might be stretching the scope a little bit with her, but because she was a Hungarian noblewoman, right. but her castle is in, is in uh, modern-day Slovakia, and, and for us, that's close it's, enough it's for, called the, for Bohemian. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Sete Castle, if I'm not butchering that, and it, it's Upper Hungary, which is now Slovakia. So that's, you know, Czechoslovakia. We'll, we'll, we'll take it. We'll call it good. <laughs> um, yeah, she, she's been called or, or labeled the most prolific serial, or let's say the most prolific female serial killer in history, and sometimes even referred to as the Blood Countess because she liked to allegedly bathe in blood and... and um, well, she yeah, had some pretty gruesome, gruesome Yeah, and stuff. the thing was, was that because she was such, such high in society with her title, that she went on about this for years. She would, she would go out and have an outreach to try to get uh, well, well-to-do families to invite their, their youngest daughter uh, yeah. to, to be her maiden-waiting. And as yeah. this happened, she would slaughter them. She would, A, a first torture them. And yeah, then, yeah. then she would take the blood and bathe in the blood because she did what? What did she feel about the blood? What what powers uh, it, did it, it give her? Make her make her younger. Exactly. But there's yeah. clearly a sadistic part. I mean, you know, it, it clearly goes beyond that because there's, you know, severe beatings, uh, burnings, mutilation of of hands. She would supposedly, 
you know, take all this with a grain of salt. Like some people think this was kind of a conspiracy to get her lands, but um, supposedly she would, she would bite the flesh off of faces, arms, you know, other body parts, uh, sometimes freeze people as, as a way of torture, starve them to death, to death, uh, use needles. Um, yeah, and, and the, the, the death toll, one witness had it as high as 650 victims. Now that, that, that's a lot, and eventually you get to the point where she got caught yeah. because you, you murdered the wrong daughter right. of, of, the, of a more influential person. And at that point, they, they, they did some more research into what was going on. And whoever was protecting her said, threw their hands up saying, you're on your own. And yeah. and so so the thing is with her how how she got the this idea she would experiment same, with how she same killed Gilles de Ray remember he, exactly from France it, it yeah, was he, with uh, Joan of Arc yeah Joan of Arc's yeah yeah I mean he they well, had he, this he kind killed, of he killed he killed a he kidnapped a vicar or you know something like you couldn't touch nobility and you couldn't touch the church right everybody else no one could stop her I mean supposedly the neighbors would hear screaming from yeah. her castle and nothing well, they could do how, about how it. she would kill these young ladies meant what type of uh, regenerative powers the blood would have. That's why she kind of did things differently, um, how she, you know. Oh, is that why? That, that's exactly okay. right. Out of fear, out of long-term torture. I mean, it's creepy, really, uh, not, not something you really want to dive into and think about too much about because it's, it's horrific. But she finally was caught, and she was uh, judged and tried, and the way you, you couldn't kill nobility like you could kill other, other folks. So she was... Uh, basically made a prisoner for the rest of her life, and I believe she died of starvation. She went mad. Yeah. Um, and, and we know that this stuff is not so much of a fairy tale or some sort of you know, made-up story because there's documentation of what she had done. Now, you're right, Travis, it might have been an issue of just a power grab to grab her lands. But I have a feeling that you know, to make up these numbers, just like when we talk about Jill DeRay, you know, something was fishy. <laughs> so, yeah. Something was definitely wrong here. And enough to give you the, the creeps, that's for sure. So following, following our, our spotlight on individuals, let's take a look at some of the, the, the really dark places that we have in the Czech Republic. And there are many. There's probably a top 20 list. But we're going to give you a top five. And we're going to work our way from the bottom up. And this one castle that's not too far, about 47 kilometers north of Prague, uh, is where we're going to start on, on our, our list of creepiest places in the Czech Republic uh, on this episode of Bohemian. We're going to start with Huska Castle and the Gates of Hell. It is one of the most haunted castles in the world. There have been some TV shows that have, have visited up to this area. It, it doesn't look all that creepy. It's been kind of kept up pretty well over the years. It's not a ruin of any, of any type, but uh, it does have a very nasty history. Uh, it is an early Gothic castle that was built around you know, 1253 and uh, sustained some damage and then later on kind of re rebuilt a little bit in 1270-78 during uh, the height of, of King Ottokar II of Bohemia, who we've talked about on many uh, occasions here on the, on the Bohemian podcast. It was yeah. turned from a Gothic castle into a Renaissance chateau in about the mid-16th century. So, Travis, what, what makes this place really that haunted? Well, what's, what's weird about it is that it's, it's kind of, it's really remote. It, it doesn't seem to have any strategic value. It's not on a trade route. It's just kind of middle of out, out there. It's, you know, in a swampy area. Um, but there, there's a couple of legends associated with it. And uh, first of all, that uh, it was the castle was constructed on 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 like kind of on top of a cave. So at, at the very bottom of it, there's like a this this cave or pit, and that's where it gets the name the the gate the gate to hell. Supposedly, it said that there was like these kind of half animal, half human creatures that live in that cave, and like even 
black-winged creatures coming out, you know, seen coming out of it from time to time. I mean, so obviously the local legend is that it's kind of a, a, an evil place. Um, the chapel is supposedly built directly over the, the gates of hell. So if you go to the chapel, then you know you're, you're, you're right above it, and, and what, that's what, on what purpose. What better place to put, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's to kind of keep that evil down. Keep it in check, right? right. Yeah. When the castle was first constructed, local prisoners that were sentenced to death were invited to the site and offered a reprieve for being lowered down into the cave and then, you know, and then reported their, their findings. So that was kind of like, oh, well, you're, you're, you're doomed, but uh, if you want to save your life, you can go and see and, if and, and I wonder, You see any black wing creatures? <laughs> <No>? okay. <laughs> and, and, and one of the legends says that uh, uh, they, they lowered one prisoner down in there and, and everything was fine for a few minutes until they heard this horrible screaming. They pulled him up and he was white as a ghost. I mean, he, he died oh, shortly man. after, after yeah. with a heart attack of what he had supposedly seen. Uh-huh. Right? So when you have that kind of legend hopping around, it probably makes you think twice, you know, I'll probably just ask for the quick beheading, you know, uh, <laughs> if I'm sentenced to death versus being lowered into, the, into a gateway to hell. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that's not where it stops. Let's fast forward to the 20th century when the Nazi occupation was taking over uh, all of what was Czechoslovakia at the time. And the Nazis actually had this sort of taste uh, for the occult as well. They knew about this place, and they took over many chateaus and castles throughout Bohemia and made them headquarters for their commandants or for, or for their generals um, uh, when they were you know, preparing uh, uh, other invasions of Europe, uh, throughout Europe. And uh, this was no exception. They were at this castle as well. And, and Travis, we look, at, we look at what the Nazis did. It wasn't too far from, from what would happen with the, the old legends with, with the prisoners. So yeah, in the 1930s, like you said, the Nazis took over. And um, so in the inner courtyard, the skeletons of three German soldiers were found. Um, what's interesting is that Hoska Castle was built with no fortifications, no water, no kitchen. And like I said, no, you know, it was really remote, no trade routes or anything were near it. So it just it didn't make any sense. There were, in fact, there was no occupation. Uh, there was no occupants at the time of its completion. So it just it just weird. Well, let, let me, let me um, before we move any further, Travis. Let me throw this out at you. Maybe as as we know, there's certain parts of in Prague there were some either sinkholes or um, some vents where uh, heat would be coming out, where people would either maybe the ancient Celts or some of the of the ancient Premlicids yeah. would encounter this as supernatural, something that you need to revere. You remember the Drahomira story? By yeah, the, that's what I'm getting at. The, yeah. the, the one right down uh, uh, near the castle, the, the Prague Castle. And it's, it's interesting because people would build their worship areas on top or around this. And maybe that was the case of the reason of this castle being built in the middle of nowhere. It was just a repository saying, hey, this is, seems to be a supernatural place. It probably got supernatural powers. And I think when the Nazis came in, they noticed that too. They wanted to see... Does this well or does this hole to hell actually have have any uh, validity to it? Boy, Nazis and hole to hell, because the 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 other the right next to the Prague Castle, like you said, is the the Chernin Palace, and that's there's another hole to hell legend there, and there's also an underground tunnel, and the Nazis also used that as a radio, kind of a bunker, because it was you know it was a tunnel for the um, for the emperor to escape, so. Yeah, weird uh, correlation with Nazis and holes to hell. Yeah, yeah pretty much. I, the Nazis actually kind of uh, wanted to carry out experiments to see if this was a dimensional portal. Folks, I know this sounds crazy, but the, the Nazi regime was also uh, was so attached to the concept of occult belief systems, they were thinking about the, uh, one of the main reasons they wanted to take over and uh, enforce their influence on Vienna was to get their hands on the Spear of Destiny 
that was so, so, uh, is said to have speared the side of Christ uh, to let out the water out of Christ's um, uh, wound. That would have given them power over any of their forces they would encounter. They believed in this stuff. And so when in it, they, they most likely had an occult subsection to their military force that would do these experiments and, and try to have some validity to some of these legends uh, to see if that would kind of give them power over maybe the Allies during World War II. So uh, this, I know it sounds strange, but I think this is part of the, the history of this castle that we definitely want to explore on this, on this episode. But that leads us into number four, which is something that we've done a, a podcast solely on, which was the Vampire Graveyard of Chelikovitsa. And Travis, um, we, we, we told our listeners we'd make a trip out there. Maybe that's something we need to do in the next few weeks before it gets too cold out there to take a trip. It's actually just southeast a little bit of Prague and uh, just we, pretty much a, just a really quick drive out there. And uh, it's an area that was pretty much out in the middle of nowhere. And a farmer in the late 1960s was digging through his farm and found what happened to be a mass burial of, of, of uh, people with bones. I think it's the biggest vampire graveyard ever found. And is why that, is it a vampire? We, we're making a big leap because our, uh, is it they sixteen have, bodies or something? It's something like that. And it had yeah. no. It was. No, it was nowhere near uh, a holy site or a, or a church. As yeah. a as, as again, a deal. Like out, middle out of nowhere. A farmer's field. Yeah. Now the reason why we call it a vampire issue is because how the bodies were found and, and what what positions they were found and what was done to their remains. Yeah, they were right? basically nailed down and you know staked to the staked to the ground and made sure that they they would the come corpses back. couldn't stand up or get back out. So. During this time in, 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 in Bohemia, there was a lot of really sort of occult belief in, in the afterlife, monsters and demons and all those type of things. It was something that the, the townspeople and the, the rural folks all believed in. And it got to be a problem because people were desecrating graves and making sure that people they didn't like that died would not come back and haunt them as vampires. They would face them down, they would weight them down with weights or, or blocks or stones. They would anything yeah. they can do. Put be, behead them even. So they could or or stuff their mouths with dirt so they couldn't bite down. Exactly. Now what yeah. put a stop to this, Travis? It was actually uh, a royal decree, was it not? Yeah. Maria, Maria Teresa, Empress Maria Teresa of of the the uh, Habsburg dynasty. Yeah. Saw this being a problem because it was getting out of control. She made it this profession that this will not be done anymore and you will be persecuted if you're caught desecrating graves mm -hmm. or, or the dead. And pretty much right after that, what happened, Travis? Stopped. It all stopped. Yeah. Right? So, but, but this graveyard was something that was found in the late 20s, uh, mid-20th century and uh, it made people and archaeologists think in different, different areas of, of Europe about why these bodies were found in these conditions was because of this superstition. That was a fun episode. Yeah, that was that was good. Yeah, so I'm glad we can somewhat revisit that, and you can revisit that too on iTunes if you like to go to yes. hear so that again. So finish listening to this one, right? <laughs> and then listen to that one. Okay. Um, Absolutely. Number three. So number three, we have the Capuchin Catacombs in Brno. Were, have you been there? I haven't been to Brno yet. I, I've only driven through, but it's on my list. Yeah, I've been to Brno a couple times, but never in the catacombs. It's the second biggest city in the so, Czech Republic. Yeah, it's it's the it's in Moravia, the Moravian region of the Czech Republic, and uh, it's it's a it's a nice town. Anyways, there's a 17th century Capuchin monastery, and it's it's kind of one of the main features in Brno. And in the buildings of the ground, like the library and the church, there's frescoes, paintings, antique furnishings. It's 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 a nice place, but the Capuchin crypt is maybe the biggest draw. I mean, a lot of visitors um, go there and. 
the weird thing is that the bodies of the monks from, from you know, centuries past are right there on the floor of the crypt, kind of mummified in this special environment, like the conditions that the, that, that's in the catacombs. So maybe uh, leave the kids at home for that one. It's it's a little. Uh, it has creepy. a glass cover, so you can actually look into the crypt yeah. themselves. So, you so can see if these. you're squeamish, maybe maybe skip not a this good one, idea. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know if I go in for some, kind of like uh, some Halloween sort of trick or treat sort of. You know, I need to see something really kind of uh, superstitious or or or, uh, or shocking uh, because it is a royal place. Sure, be yeah, respectful. I, I mean, not royal. Yeah. It, it is it is a religious place, so it's kind of well, a place that yeah, kind of demands respect. I mean, reli- I mean uh, even respect. like famous and influential people have kind of have have found their final resting spot there in the crypt. So, um, you know, they're not all mummies in the floor. There's 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 coffins down there and everything too. Uh, but even some of the coffins have a glass cover, so it's. Yeah, really interesting from from what I've seen. Yeah, de- definitely, it's it's on my list. Got to got to go there. Yeah, this one was it was a tough one. We're gonna move up to number two, and I had to jockey back and forth between number one and two because I think uh, most people that will come to Bohemia or the Czech Republic specifically um, are looking for something that might bring them back to the to the gravity of of how tough it was to live during the Middle Ages, and they want to see that, and they want to kind of be shocked by what they see. So a lot of them flock to the town of Kutnohora. Uh, which is a sil- which is a once a silver mining boom town that we also did a, a podcast on a traveling podcast and uh, we did talk about the ossuary at Sedlik and it's Sedlik is is basically two minutes from the town of Kutnahora but it sees probably more tourists than many many towns its size in all of Central Europe because of the ossuary which is known as the Bone Church mm-hmm. Travis. It is crazy in there. You you go down and it's a small little basement of a church, and you go into it and everything's made of of bones. Uh, their final resting place with their skull stacked in pyramids, their femurs and their the chandelier and, yeah, that made into chandelier, a coat yeah, of arms. Coat of arms yeah. Right, it, it's all there, and uh, it's something that I think if you're in that neck of the woods, you have to see. I think that's the weird part is that it's not just a pile of bones. Like it's actually they've they've been arranged into you know works of art, and it's it's just. Now it, they were they were basically kept for a long time because of the plague. There was no place to to bury yeah. people because of the of the Black Plague. Now remember, the plague kind of really happened it had its moments of peaks and valleys here in in Bohemia. Uh, with well, I think one of the last plagues was in the late 1700s. There was no place to bury people, and then you also had the Hussite Wars, where and the Thirty Years' War, where people were dying in mass. There was no place to bury them, and so these bones were cleaned and they were stored. Now. What you see today at Sedlik is something that pretty much happened in the late nineteenth century yeah. and early twentieth century, and how they how they stored it and kept it in a nice way. That's what you'll see when you go there. That's a weird hobby. I'm going to go make a chandelier. <laughs> I know human bones. It, it doesn't seem quite right or respectful, but that's pretty much how. Uh, and when I was there, I think the thing that really threw me was looking at the 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 eye sockets. I'd be too graphic yeah. about it, but the, the empty eye sockets of these. Hundreds of 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 uh, skulls looking right back at you, and thinking these were once people with all their hopes and dreams and their fears, and unfortunately their demise, uh, maybe in a rough way that led them to be displayed in in, in this kind of fashion. Yeah, I, I, somewhere out in the sticks, I can't remember where it was. I, was. I was in a restaurant one time, and they had a wall of human bones, and with with the skulls. And I'm you're sitting at a table eating dinner, you know, looking at eye, empty eye sockets right there. And not like fake bones, not like a, a Halloween, uh, you know, decorations or anything, but like the real deal. And you're like, man, that's just, I, 
I think people, from an American people perspective, look at death differently back yeah, then as we do now. And I, I think it's yeah. just different. But um, this is not the only place where there's an Aussie word like this. There are several places in the Czech Republic that have uh, yeah. bone-made churches, and uh, one of them is in Kolín, which is not too far from uh, the middle of the, che of the Czech Republic and from Prague. And you can see one there as well. There are several places. If you do some research, you can find some of those. Um, we'll, we'll eventually get to, to some of these places throughout some of my travels, uh, and we'll report back to you on Bohemian for sure. And that leads us to number one, which we've already talked about, which is the uh, Prague Underground and Torture Chamber. It's such a so many horrible stories that would make make your blood curdle basically well, uh, are sort of are underneath the, your feet I, as a tourist. Yeah, what's interesting about that is that not all of that has been excavated. So a lot of it's just bricked off. A lot of it's private property. Anytime, especially in Old Town, if a lot of the restaurants have underground rooms, and those used to be the ground floor and used to have a door that goes out to the street, and those streets are 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 filled in or blocked off or whatever. But when we mentioned that those those people would run off to the underground and then you know possibly perish, never to be seen again, that's not excavated. So just keep in mind that when you're walking through Prague, you could be walking over who knows how many unmarked graves or even you know lost to time unknown graves. You know, so I, just uh, that's that's a that's a nice little thought to keep in your head as you're walking the streets. Man, well, I can, I'll plug these guys. That we, I I I've, I've seen some of it. I haven't gone downstairs to see the rest of it. But there's a museum of torture that is right off the street uh, of, of, of the uh, Old Town Square in Prague. And uh, it's got some creepy devices and, and, and telling you pretty much the, the worst of worst of what people can do to each other. Yeah. And I think what really stays with me that really creeps me out is the idea of uh, knowing that your demise is happening and that there's not much you can do about it and it's going to be a rough few days or months before it's finalized. And... Um, the inhumanity to man, I think, really kind of really throws me for a loop on this one. That the powers that, that ran the government, uh, the local government, they saw this as not only a deterrent, but as a, as a way to actually get uh, you know qualified information that they need, they thought they could get uh, from people that were in agony. And that's something that we struggle with today with the concept of torture. Is, is it something that can be used? I think that going to a museum of torture, maybe you kind of get that idea that it's something we kind of need to move away from in a lot of it's, respects. It's gruesome, yeah. yeah. So, you know, Travis, is there any last thoughts you have about this this kind of Halloween season as we approach Samhain? One thing that really kind of sticks out to me is, yes, Halloween is, is somewhat celebrated. Every year it's getting bigger and bigger. There's more, there's more costumes people want to buy uh, during this time uh, to wear. They kind of like the American holiday in a lot of way, or Guy Fawkes Day in England. It's kind of held around the same time. Uh, but what people do that is very similar in most Catholic-based countries, is not so much on Halloween, but an All Saints Day mm -hmm. that, that follows it on the, on the 1st of November and the 2nd of November, where they pay tribute to the people that have died. And yep. you'll see this in Mexico, uh, in, in Southwest United States, but you also see it here in Czech Republic. People will go to graveyards, clean it up, you know, yeah. of, of their ancestors, and have a picnic right there as, as you know, uneasy as it makes a lot of us feel, they're probably not used to that. This is a way of connecting to their roots. There is one thing that you, that if you ever travel to side roads, you probably don't see it now. You did 70 years ago. I think it was the last reported one. But in these really small towns, you might see it. There's these beams that are planks, wooden planks, that are sticking out of the ground, usually near uh, a crucifix that uh, is in front of the town before you reach yeah. the, the outskirts of town. 
and it's a crucifix on a maybe a stone column, and it's just for religious pur purposes. Yeah. But you'll see these planks sticking out of the ground. Uh huh. And I asked uh, one of our coworkers, "What what's that all about?" She goes, "Oh, it's very rare to see that." But when you uh, carried somebody to their crypt or a dead person uh, to their burial site, you had them on these planks. And then you took, once the person has been buried, you take the planks away and you, you basically insert it you know, uh, lengthways into the ground. So it sticks out of the ground near this crucifix. Yeah. And some people make some paintings on the side of it or put a name on it, kind of like a, a homemade tombstone that eventually will decay with time and you know, fall, fall down. Yeah. Right, um, so if you do drive the back roads, man, if you see that, that's that's really a historic object. You'll see that huh, in museums yeah. now because not many people take their dead on on planks anymore to, yeah. to these places. But that's one kind of thing that uh, you might want to keep your eye on if you're driving on a on a dark road in the middle of Bohemia one night. Weird, weird, weird is right, my friend. All right, well, that's the show tonight. Um, I hope you. Uh, Got your fill of the creep stuff that we talked about <laughs> that kind of leads you into into this. We don't like to do too many dated shows, but this, I think, is appropriate before Halloween. We'll probably do something uh, closer to Christmas related to that and Easter. Got to do Christmas. Got to do Easter because yeah, Czechs have very particular traditions. traditions. Yeah, Exactly. So. Um, so we want to thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll be back with you very soon. Thanks. You have been listening to the Bohemian Podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Doe. Visit bohemican.com for more information on this episode, other episodes, and much more information about history, traditions, and culture in the Czech Republic. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, and review, and don't forget to rate us. We would love to hear from you. Send comments, ideas, and corrections on our comments page on bohemican.com. Or get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. Tune in to our sister podcast, History of Alchemy, which is also on iTunes or on historyofalchemy.com. Until next time on the Bohemian Podcast, thank you for listening.